0: Each year in the United States, one in four deaths is caused by heart disease, making it the leading cause of death for American men and women. Relatedly, almost 720,000 Americans will have a heart attack each year, an alarming number that sadly isn't surprising when you consider that almost half of Americans have at least one of the three key risk factors for heart disease, smoking, high blood pressure, or high LDL cholesterol. February is American Heart Month, and in today's episode of Move Forward Radio, Physical therapist Pamela Bartlow outlines the signs of a heart attack, the risk behaviors for heart disease, and the healthy behaviors necessary to avoid heart disease. She also takes us through the cardiac rehabilitation process that awaits patients who are treated for a heart attack. Here's our interview with Pamela Bartlow.
1: Pamela, February is American Heart Month, and let's talk about the role of physical therapists when it comes to cardiac rehabilitation. What's the range of the way that physical therapists are involved? Well,
2: physical therapists can start right away in the hospital soon after somebody has a heart attack or has a new heart surgery. The therapist will come in and start getting the patient moving up out of bed, walking in the hall. And really the point is to make sure that everybody's heart rate and blood pressure is responding correctly, that the patient's not having any symptoms or the person's not having any problems before they go home. Then once the person goes home, we can see them in an outpatient or a home-based cardiac rehab program, and the goal at that point is really to get the patient moving even more and starting to exercise and resume daily kind of activities without having any problems again with heart rate or blood pressure. And then following through after that's finished and the person's kind of back to normal life, if you will, the therapists are involved to really make sure that the person maintains this activity level so that they don't have problems in the future.
1: So it sounds like cardiac rehabilitation always, or at least most of the time, starts sort of out of the hospital setting, which suggests to me that usually there's a kind of event involved. So what are the different events or reasons that someone might begin cardiac rehabilitation? Is it always, for example, following heart surgery, or would there be other instances as well?
2: Yeah, there's really a broad range, and it kind of depends on the area the person lives in insurance coverage as far as how much therapy is covered. But really, anytime the patient has something new wrong with their heart, so that could be a heart attack or a stent placed or a bypass or open heart surgery, a valve replacement. If people have congestive heart failure or chronic heart failure and they go into the hospital again, we can restart their rehab again after they've had that event. If they're diagnosed with new rhythm problems with their heart, electrical activity in their heart, we can see them then. Pacemakers and defibrillators, it depends. Some insurances cover those and sometimes they don't. But even if insurance doesn't, we usually have wellness programs that we can get the person into and they pay just, again, a few dollars out of pocket to be able to get into the program that way.
1: When patients begin a cardiac rehabilitation program, as you just illustrated, it can be for a variety of reasons, and therefore the severity of the intervention, I suppose, that they're coming off of will be different. But is there a sort of commonality in terms of what those patients are experiencing in terms of the problem you want to solve? For example, are they having problems breathing? Are they having problems with their energy level? What typically are those initial symptoms that you're treating?
2: Yeah, it is very common which is part of the benefits of cardiac rehab because you can have people with different medical problems and yet they're very very similar and so they form like camaraderie between them all. And usually those problems the first thing is that they're going to have poor endurance, you know, whether it's a surgery or a heart attack, it kind of wipes the body out and so we're building the endurance back up. And that could be either through muscle fatigue or the person feels kind of short of breath or difficulty breathing, or they just feel tired. And so those are the first things we really start working in in rehab. Then as we go on further, it's to really improve that endurance, to improve muscle strength, really get the person moving more. But to start with, they are pretty common that everybody just feels tired and weak and short of breath and difficulty moving. So rehab will go ahead and kind of help get the person starting back towards a normal activity level.
1: And so then what does cardiac rehabilitation consist of?
2: Most programs, the traditional phase two or outpatient programs, like once the person's at home, they're three days a week, usually about an hour or so each time, and they're an exercise session. So it's a warm up, then exercise depending on the facility. They might have bikes or treadmills or it might be aerobics classes or whatever, and then a cool down. When the person's still in the hospital, it depends. Many facilities are, you know, three or five or six days a week, and it's usually only about a 15 or 20 minute session at that point. Once the person's at home, if they have to do home care before outpatient, again, it's usually three days a week, but it's probably only about a half an hour each time. And so the goal of any of these is really a warm-up, and aerobic type of an exercise, which is, again, you know, trying to get the heart rate up, some strengthening exercises, and then a cool-down. The traditional Phase two programs, which is, again, that outpatient three-day-a-week program also has education tied into it. So the person will get educated on different risks that put them in in trouble for heart disease, whether that's diet or stress or, you know, things along those lines.
1: From the outside looking in, is there anything that's noticeably different about the steps you would take, for example, to get somebody who's cardiovascular strength back up in this sort of cardiac rehabilitation phase that would look different than, say, sort of typical exercise?
2: Yeah, the biggest thing is monitoring. So whether it's in the hospital setting or when we're in the outpatient phase two kind of setting, the patient will be hooked up to a heart monitor. And there's always a staff member watching that heart monitor. And the biggest reason here is that the heart suffered some kind of damage, whether that was surgery or heart attack, and it's more irritable after there. There's always a chance of there being problems with the heart rhythm. Some of them can be very minor. Some of them can be very major, and so we will keep constant monitoring on the heart while we're exercising the person so that we can see that the heart is responding correctly from the electrical rhythm standpoint. There will be some people that will say, oh, you don't need rehab. Just go to the gym yourself. And that's really not true in the early phases of, you know, starting back into lifestyle because the person really should have their heart rhythm checked the whole time to make sure that they're safe. There are some home-based programs that are starting to come up now where the person kind of communicates by phone or by internet with the rehab staff. But again, there's usually some monitoring going on. So they'll set the person up with a monitor at home and the person will kind of just log into the computer and hook the monitor up so that that way the staff can still be monitoring their rhythm versus just going to a regular old gym and doing regular exercise. The other difference is that it's individualized. So the rehab staff, whether it's, you know, home-based, inpatient, you know, hospital, wherever it is, the staff will work with that patient to figure out what exercise works best for them. You know, you can't put everybody on the treadmill at the exact same speed and the exact same incline because some people will have trouble with it and some people it will be too easy. And so cardiac rehab programs really look to individualize the treatment so that it's the perfect exercise level for that patient.
1: And so to fill in the blank there, it sounds like it's sort of properly escalating them up in difficulty so that they're getting something out of it enough to get progress but without pushing it too far. Is that right?
2: That's exactly it. You know, we'll increase them about every week or two as the, the person feels they can do it. Sometimes it might be every session on certain exercises. Some exercises maybe they don't increase at all. But, yeah, overall goal is over several weeks or months is to keep improving their endurance activity level, strength level, so that we can really kind of push them. We always tell the patients they want to feel like they're working a little bit. They're not working too hard, but you don't want it to be easy. If it's easy, you're probably not getting enough out of it.
1: What typically are the challenges that the people feel? I mean, you mentioned, for example, difficulty breathing and things like that. I have to think that patients that begin a cardiac rehab program, as different as the reasons that may have got them into it, probably must go through sort of similar emotions in terms of, wow, X is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be.
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of people will feel that physically, just from the the fatigue level. You know, everybody gets tired really fast. They think, oh, I'm, you know, had my surgery, I'm back to normal, and you do something for half an hour, and they're, they're tired and they wanna take a nap later. And so it kind of really is starting from that point where it's building back what they may have had or even more than they may have had before their heart event.
1: If someone's had a major surgery, like, for example, bypass surgery, what's realistic to sort of return to normalcy or whatever their previous condition was? How long is this planned?
2: Typical cardiac rehab programs, once they're out of the hospital and they're in that traditional outpatient cardiac rehab program, they usually last about two to three months, so most insurance companies will pay for 24 to 36 sessions. Overall, most rehab staff really would love to have 36 sessions with somebody that's three times a week for three months. The biggest problem now is that other things cut into that. High copays can happen, so somebody might have a $20 copay. Well, to pay that three days a week at $60 when you're not working and now you're gonna do this for three months, many people just can't afford that. The other thing is some people might go back to work before then, and since they might have active jobs, to do the rehab on top of that might be too much, or the schedule might not work. So, you know, it really depends on the person. But overall, gaining that function back, I would say within about two to four weeks, the person will really start to feel like they're getting better again. They'll have more energy. They'll have more strength. They won't be quite as tired. Overall, I would say probably about two months before the person really starts to feel completely like themselves again. And, you know, they might just have a little bit of pain still or they might have a little fatigue. But by about two months after their surgery, they feel better. The only other thing I'll add to all of that is that it really does depend on the person too. If the person is an older person versus younger, if we have, you know, a 45 year old person versus an 85 year old person. And then also if there were any other medical problems, you know, if somebody had a knee or a back problem or a hip problem before their heart surgery, you know, it's going to be a little bit slower for them because they had this other issue with a joint. You know, we've had people like that. They were going in for a total knee replacement and they had to do preoperative testing for that. And oh my goodness, they have a heart problem. And so they have heart surgery first before their knee surgery. Well, as we're doing their heart rehab, you know, they might just be a little slower than somebody else because they still need their knee replaced. Their knee is still painful. Or if somebody has Emphysema or diabetes or other medical conditions on top of things. It just might slow their rehab down. But to answer your question in general, most people are about four to eight weeks they start to really feel good again.
1: Are there anything that sort of the home caregivers can do to support these programs, family members, people that are close to the person going through it?
2: Absolutely. You know, one of the best things that studies have shown is that. The more support someone has, the more likely they are to continue with the program and finish it, and the more likely they are to continue exercising after they've finished a program. Family members, friends, whoever it is, can help with either just encouraging them while they're in rehab, you know, to attend rehab, help them get them there. But on the off days of rehab, once the staff has said they can do more activity, you know, you can do walks with them or go to the gym and do light exercise, whatever the rehab staff has said is fine. After the program's over, It'd be really great if the people are then exercising together. So, again, whether that's a spouse or maybe it's a child of, you know, an older adult or maybe it's just a friend, you can join a walking group together or join a gym or just get outside and do some physical activity or exercise. So the family member becomes a really big support mechanism to keep the person healthy and active. And it ends up having a benefit for the family member as well if it gets them more active.
1: You touched right there on the long-term focus, so once they're beyond the event, they're essentially back to normal or hopefully where they were before, maybe better. What is the risk of someone who has one heart problem essentially having a problem for life? Is that a guarantee? How important is it that they stay active to avoid getting right back in the same situation?
2: It's not a guarantee, and if we had our way, um, rehab staff would never have to see the same people again. You know, unfortunately, it is a recurrent problem. There are over 450,000 repeat heart attacks every single year. And in my opinion, that's kind of the fault of the person as well as the rehab staff. The real true main goal of cardiac rehab is to change the person's lifestyle behavior so that they don't ever have a heart problem again. If we can get people to change the risk factors that put them at risk for heart disease and we can get them exercising, well, then we can cut that risk and they shouldn't be back. Now, certain conditions like a congestive heart failure, you're going to have that the rest of your life, but it can be managed so that it doesn't flare up. If you're having the right diet and you're exercising, you you shouldn't really have too many problems with it. If they follow through with the program and they continue doing this for the rest of their life, the problem should be minimal. That's not to say that there aren't still people that have heart attacks even if they were doing all the right things, but it's much, much less if the person continues with the right lifestyle changes.
1: Are heart conditions something that typically are passed down or is that something that usually is typically the result of someone's lifestyle?
2: It's both. So some of the risk factors for heart disease, the two biggest are high blood pressure and smoking. And those can be changed by the person. That's not something you were born with. Even cutting smoking, if you've been smoking 30-something years, people always tell me, oh, I've smoked for 30 years, it's no good now. Within one year of not smoking, the risk to your heart and your circulatory system has changed and decreased to almost nothing. Lung damage might still be there, but the circulation to the heart and the issues of in your circulation in your body resolve to almost perfect after one year of not smoking. And blood pressure, the biggest thing we can do is blood pressure medication and lifestyle change. So some of the other risk factors that go with that lifestyle change are diet, exercise, obesity, stress level. So we can control all of those things. You know, we can get our diet under control where we're having lower salt, lower cholesterol, lower fat. We can exercise. The typical recommendation is 30 minutes most days of the week, but we'll tell people if you can get 30 minutes three days a week, and that's 30 minutes of true aerobic exercise, keeping your heart rate up. If you can do at least 30 minutes three days a week, it's gonna at least keep your risk from not getting any worse. You have to do a little bit more than that to start cutting your risk of heart disease, but just the 30 minutes three days a week, again, and that could just be a moderate-paced walking, just something that you feel like you're exerting yourself a little bit. If we can get weight under control, if we can get blood pressure under control, all of those things are risk factors that we can change. As you get older, you're going to have more risk. You can't change that. Whether you're male or female, you can't really change that. And then the one that you'd asked about, heredity, that we can't change. So there are some people that do all the right things, and they still have heart problems, and it's because they just have a genetic disposition from their family that they're going to have that. And it could be that they just have higher cholesterol levels, or it could be that they develop more plaque or high blood pressure. But we can do everything else right to kind of combat what the family life sets you up for.
1: I want to talk about warning signs in a second, but before we get to that, you know, you mentioned that the very bare limits, the minimum requirement for what you need to do to at least keep your heart health from not getting any worse. When you're talking about things like walking at a moderate pace and sort of stressing yourself, if I'm walking with a friend, is that something where I should be able to talk comfortably the whole way or I'm panting a little bit? What is that base level to sort of challenge myself just enough?
2: We do kind of walk that fine line. You want to be able to converse with the person or talk with the person. You don't want to be so short of breath you can't talk. But at the same time, if you're just strolling along having a casual conversation, that's not enough. So, again, it goes back to that how are you feeling. You should feel like you're pushing yourself a little bit, not too hard, but it shouldn't feel easy. So that's great to get out and exercise with somebody else, but you have to kind of monitor that since everybody's individuals. If you're walking with somebody that's a slower walker than you or can't walk as far as you, you might not be able to count that as your exercise for the day because if you're just strolling along talking with them comfortably, you're probably not doing enough. So you should be able to still talk to the person. You shouldn't be so out of breath you can't, but you want to really feel like you're pushing yourself at least a little bit
1: rather than walking to get somewhere or walking for a company, you should walk with purpose. Is that right?
2: That's exactly it. And, again, it's got to be a good 30 minutes. There is a lot of research that has shown you can chunk exercise up in 10-minute increments throughout the day, and it has a, a cumulative benefit or a total benefit. And that's true except when we talk about heart health. To really get heart health, it's got to be continuously keeping your heart rate up for at least 30 minutes. So that's great if you need to chunk up the exercise other days of the week, but at least three days of the week, you've got to have a nice 30 minutes kind of pushing yourself a little bit where, again, you're, like you said, walking with purpose or, you know, doing some physical activity that's really going to keep your heart rate up.
1: So we already know some of the warning signs. If you're a smoker, you're on a bad path. Beyond that, what are the indicators that you might have a heart problem?
2: Sure. There's the very traditional heart symptoms that we all know where it's, chest pressure or chest pain, and it might radiate or go down the left arm. Those are the really traditional signs that you hear about. But there are a lot of other signs that can mimic that or be completely different than that. So many people will feel either chest pain, and they'll call it a crushing chest pain. It's right in the center of the chest. Or they might say chest pressure. And the two most common that people say is it feels like an elephant is standing on their chest or that somebody has a belt really tight around their chest and they just can't breathe or move at all. But that's kind of the most common type of symptoms. There are loads of people that have other symptoms. So those types of pains or pressure can go down the left arm or the right arm or both. Sometimes people might feel it just as jaw pain. There have been people that have gone to the dentist thinking they have something wrong with their tooth or their jaw, and it turns out that it's really heart pain. It also can go to your back, and typically if it's in the back, it's between the shoulder blades, and that might feel, again, like a burning pain or a chest pressure. And then the last one is an indigestion feeling. So a lot of people might feel that they're upset stomach, heartburn, indigestion, things like that. That's one of the most common for women. And so it's really important, especially this past Friday was Go Red Day for women heart health. Women tend to miss these symptoms because they're not usually that crushing chest pain in women. A lot of times it's indigestion or just kind of a queasy feeling. And there's also plenty of people that have no symptoms at all. So they might show up at their doctor and their doctor says, oh, did you know you would had a heart attack in the last year? You know, there's nothing you can do about those, but it's the other ones you want to be aware of. And so how do you know if they're really heart versus something else? You know, the biggest thing you can do is sit down and rest. If you're feeling any of those things, sit down and rest. Give yourself five minutes and see if it changes at all. If it's not changing, then it's probably something that has to be looked into closer. Whether that's really serious or not, you need know, to you find out. But if it doesn't go away, then it's probably something you need to look at. At that point, you have to kind of think and look at your symptoms and what you've been doing. Is it more heart health? You know, if you just ate a really big meal of chili that was really spicy, well, then, yeah, it's probably indigestion. If you haven't eaten anything all day but you were really physically active and now you're sitting, well, there's a chance it might be related to your heart. When in doubt, call 911. I mean, it's not worth it to, you know, not get to the hospital and it be something that's related to your heart.
1: So those are definitely the signs that something is really wrong. So let's close with preventing this from getting there in the first place. We've already touched on some of them. If you are smoking, stop. If you aren't exercising, start. Beyond that, kind of what are the top things that people should pay attention to to avoid being in this situation in the first place?
2: The biggest thing is everything that you already know as far as fitness and health. So as you said, stop smoking. Blood pressure, you got to get it under control. The American Heart Association guidelines are 140 over 90. It's considered high blood pressure. So if you're on blood pressure medication and it's still higher than that, you need to talk with the doctor and get it lower than that. If you're not on blood pressure medication and it's that high, then you need to talk with the doctor and see if you can't get it lower. Diet, you want to watch high fatty, high cholesterol, high salt foods. Any of the processed foods, any of the white breads, white flours, anything that's really high in saturated fats or junk food that has what we call trans fats. So any of the healthier foods are going to help improve that. So any of your vegetables, fruits, things like that. For weight, most people kind of know about the BMI factors with overweight versus obesity. You really need to keep the weight as close to a healthy BMI as possible for your height. And it's really because the more weight you have, the more stress that it can put on the heart, as well as some changes it will actually do at the heart. And then exercise, as we talked about. You know, anybody can start even just going out and walking. Now, before you start an exercise program, you do want to make sure you talk with your doctor, have a physical, make sure that everything's in line. You don't want to go out and exercise if you haven't been with a doctor in five years because there could be something wrong that you don't know. So make sure you're cleared by the doctor first. But then, again, three days a week at a minimum, just getting yourself moving. And those are the types of things. Those five or six big things are what put people at risk for heart disease. So if you change those, that's what's going to cut your risk of heart disease.
1: Pamela Bartlow, thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope that everybody, you know, takes this to heart and and starts to really try to cut down the risk of heart disease we have in this country.
0: Thanks for listening to Move Forward Radio. The American Heart Association has numerous resources about heart health at www.heart.org. To learn more about the benefits of physical therapy, visit moveforwardpt.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.